we don't do accents. Hello, hello, <laughs> hello. Is your name Javier? <laughs> oh man. You're listening to the Occupational Philosophers with Simon Banks and John Rice. Welcome to another episode of the Occupational Philosophers. But before we go any further, John, what's caught your curious eye this week? Hello, Simon. What's caught my eye this week is we are just coming to the end of the summer holidays here in the UK, and we've done the big family holiday, managed to to do that for a couple of weeks, and we survived intact. And then we've got back to the house. I've obviously had to go back to work, so the kids are kind of being left to their own devices a bit, and we suddenly... Uh, thought they're using screens too much so we took them off the screen said look just go play do something and at first they're incredibly bored and they just kind of moan and whine and stuff but then leave them long enough you know put them out to pasture leave them out in the garden or something and they start doing some amazing stuff they start getting creative so they started putting on little plays they started building stuff you know lego or they started getting out old toys and fixing them so I just found that was quite interesting that if you don't fill every minute of their day and let them just get on and be bored and work it out for themselves, they can get incredibly creative. So that was what caught my eye this week. I've been really pleased to see them not on a screen and actually doing something different. So, yeah. So it's almost the joy or the non-joy of boredom where it goes. Like it's just okay to be space. bored. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, just that space. I mean, of course, it could all go wrong. I could come outside and they've, sharpened up bows and arrows and starting hunting deer in the local park or something or built a wicker man or something like that but no it generally went okay what, what's a wicker man so like a scarecrow <laughs> uh, this might be a uk reference this is quite an old film where it was some pagan thing and they built a massive straw wicker man and then they use it for human sacrifice so this slightly off kilter <laughs> Oh, sure. Just a bit of, a bit of fun <laughs> in the village green. So, that kind great. of thing, you know, dancing around the Maypole, human sacrifice. Okay, sure. That's generally what happens when you put down your phone. So, uh, <laughs> that's it. Screens are good. Could go wrong. What I also like about screens is you find yourself saying to your kids, especially, you know, they haven't been to school for a long time, and you'll say, all right, why don't you just put down that? iPhone and just go watch an old-fashioned movie. Like you're not actually telling them to get off screens. You're just telling them to go from one screen to an old-fashioned screen, like we used to back when we were younger. What about you, Simon? What have you been? What have you been noticing doing? Or I've been like? curious about how music catches your ear and like what it is about a song that'll just make you want to play it over and over again. And is it a moment in time? Is it your mood? Is it the season maybe? And you know, Lord, the UK, oh, the UK singer, the Kiwi singer from New Zealand. Yeah. Yeah. She's yeah. brought out a new album called Solar Power and I can't stop playing. I reckon I've listened to it 15 times. And I don't know something right. about it. I just can't, I can't turn it off. So I'm wondering, like, what what is it that, yeah, at that moment in time catches you your your spirit or your soul? And I don't know what the answer is, but that's what I've been thinking about. Yeah. Is it a good album? Well, I think so, yeah. It's pretty cruisy. It's sort of like sort of a bit like wafty. You might sort of float around and you don't have to think too hard about anything. Maybe it's a, just a reflection of that Maybe in my mind, just, mind to rest. So, yeah. It's just what you need right now, a bit of wafting. 
Yeah, and I remember when um, back at university showing our middle-agedness here, the last time we used to do it was with uh, Blood Sugar Sex Magic, the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Do you remember oh, that yeah. album? And um, they had that song Under the Bridge and my roommate and I used to put Under the Bridge on a 90-minute tape on repeat. So we <laughs> <laughs> back when we had tapes, I think this is uh, back when you could easily edit tapes, I think there was DVDs, not DVDs, what are they, CDs, yeah. So CDs, <laughs> but you couldn't edit them. So we had 90-minute tape for Red Hot Chili Peppers, just that what, one the song. same track? Yeah, the same Under track. the Bridge. God, you must have been popular. And brings me to another interesting fact. We had a tribute band called the Stone Cold Soybeans at university, and we had <laughs> four lead singers and three backing vocalists. <laughs> and our only song was that Under the Bridge. That was our only song. Proper band, though. We just had one song. <laughs> <laughs> But look, this is a guest episode. I'm always delighted by guest episodes and we will not be disappointed this week. Who is the curious cat we have on the show? Well, as ever, Simon, very, very pleased and delighted to this week have Eleanor Tweddle, who is a coach, a mentor, a consultant, a podcaster, an entrepreneur, having started, I think, something like four new businesses, an author with her book, Why Losing Your Job Could Be the Best Thing That Ever Happened to You. And I think it was kind of tells some of the tale of after a long time in corporate life, working for big brands, Costa, Virgin, Atlantic, Vodafone, Eleanor found herself redundant and then began a big journey of self-discovery. It was asking lots of questions, which obviously is a lot about what we're about in this show, connecting with people, spotting opportunities. And now Eleanor amongst many other things, helps other people thrive in the face of redundancy with their own business and other door. So, Eleanor, welcome to the Occupational Philosophers. Thank you very much for having me. What's caught your eye this week? Yeah, listening to you two with your... I was dying to get involved there with what you were sharing. <laughs> Surely your song, Simon, should have been over the bridge. I mean, come on. <laughs> You know, your cover band. <laughs> yeah, sure, sure. Ah, that's a good, <laughs> yeah, good one. Maybe that's yeah, later. Sure. That's later, anyway. <laughs> well, I guess we cannot avoid this week the Paralympics. I mean, I'm, I love sport at any point in time. I can watch just about any sport. I think actually any sport. I'll commit yeah. to that and get excited by it. So I got all involved in the Olympics, loved it got up at three o'clock and watched random sport that never knew existed, done the same with the Paralympics. And you just can't help but be in wonder with these guys and girls. I just watching what they're doing and just in awe and just think this is what the world's about. So that's what I'm all about this week. Yeah, that's it's fantastic. We saw the Olympics and, and been taking the Paralympics. Yeah, it's always inspirational. I love the fact that you can turn it on first thing in the morning and just get this blast of inspiration. It's amazing. It's genius timing. <laughs> I mean, it didn't seem like it was genius timing, but yes, exactly. Breakfast news just has all this great news coming through. And um, I think that's what we need more of. So yeah, I've loved it. And has there been any one particular sport that's caught your eye with the Paralympics? Paralympics, just everything. I mean, the swimming I was really interested in because of Ellie Simmons and 
amazing and you know all of that story unfolding I was completely absorbed in all of that but with the Olympics I got completely into BMX (laughs) (laughs) which I didn't even know was at the Olympics and didn't even know it was a sport really so yeah that completely blew my mind so yeah I think it's just things like that with Paralympics it's probably more the names and the stories and the people and then with the Olympics it, it was more the sort of yeah, the interesting sports that they're sort of introducing. I mean, they're going to introduce in three years' time, I think they're going to introduce dancing or something, street dancing. Yeah. Break dancing. Amazing. Break dancing. Dr. Peter Lovett spoke about this on one of our previous yeah. episodes. Amazing. Yeah, just, I just think it's interesting, isn't it, how it all unfolds. But, yeah, amazing people. Just You just need to watch that and just get a dose of everything you need for the day. And what I think was cool about the Olympics in Japan, amongst other things, the way they'd set up the skateboarding, because that was the first time ever as well, they'd set up as this interactive space. So they weren't in, in an arena as such. It was literally the skateboarders could go have their go. Then all the public could just like jump in and start doing the same thing. They'd clear it out. So it's this really very sort of unolympic, you know, you're out there performing, we're behind a wall watching you with polite claps. It was this really sort of interactive space so very sad that there was no one that had to go and actually use it because I think what they had in mind was just awesome yeah it just brings a different energy to it doesn't it and it it feels right you know keep evolving it keep moving it on so yeah now where are you in the world today obviously given a little bit away with uh you're watching breakfast television so you're not in Australia if you're watching the Olympics at that time where are you and yeah where do we find you this morning So I'm in the north of England in a county called Cumbria, the Lake District, as some people might know it for. I'm in rural Cumbria. A herd of sheep has just gone past my window with a farmer chasing it with dogs. Kind of, I don't know what's going on out there, but anyway, (laughs) that's usually what goes on outside my window. So yeah, I was brought up here. So I was born and bred here, but moved away as everybody does when I was 20 went to London. And then I've kind of moved every two or three years for the last 25 years. And now I'm back here, back home. So yeah, I've been here for the last year. So I'm in the Lake District and enjoying walking and all the things that you don't enjoy when you live here as a teenager, that you kind of resent (laughs) as a teenager. You know, you don't, I don't care about the hills. I don't care about the fresh air. I want pollution. I want buildings. I want loud buses. I want all of that. And then you come back 25 years later and you see it through different eyes. Mm. Has it been, uh, what's it been like over the summer? We hear all the reports about post office type queues up to the summit of Snowdon and people trampsing all over our beauty spots because there's nowhere to go. Has it, has it been really, have you noticed it? Has it been crazy? Yeah, in the Lake District, we're in the north of the Lake District and it's a bit quieter. It's like the secret part that, people kind of don't quite reach so the southerners get to the southern part which is sort of Windermere and Ambleside and they don't go any further (laughs) so it's yes it has been busy but you know it's okay and I think people are trying to welcome it you know like everywhere you know I'm sure Australia's got the same pockets of industry that and areas that need tourism you're sort of welcoming people with sort of great teeth hey yeah come and spend your money and then please leave as soon as you can (laughs) (laughs) and and take your rubbish with you 
<laughs> exactly. Oh, that's been horrifying. I mean, there's been people just come and set up like whole kind of tent villages with everything, and then they just get in their cars and leave. Literally leave the tents, yeah. the sleeping bags, the camps. It's really quite odd behaviour, but Eleanor, in terms of my attempts at the beginning to describe what it is you do and what you're about, I feel that I didn't even cover the half of it. Can you maybe sort of open up now as a, a description of what what it is that you do do and what you're doing now, <laughs> what you're about? Oh God, I hate that question. Yeah, I have no idea. <laughs> I just get up and I don't know. Let's see what happens today. Okay, um, do. Yeah, I think that's probably what I do. Thanks for talking to us today. That was great. Brilliant. Yeah. It's fantastic. Tune it's in gonna, next week. Yeah, see what happens and then go to bed. <laughs> um, I guess, what am I today? I guess today, probably more of a sort of writer and a creator and more in that sort of space at the moment. So working on my second book and I do quite a lot of writing like blogs and, you know, I've been getting into all sorts of things like newsletters and just a bit more of my writing. I also am a comms consultant, so I still do corporate comms. So I have to write seriously still. So, you know, I love the sort of freedom of having my own newsletter and my own blog to express myself in a different way. So, yeah, I think that's more what I am. But, yes, I coach people, but I do, I'm more creator. So I prefer creating things. And then I have other career coaches in another door that actually do the coaching and more marketing ideas, you know, putting stuff out there. So yeah, that's probably what I am. Yeah. I've got another question which sort of follows that up and you may have already answered it. I always ask what are your intersections? Like if you think there's, you sit in the middle of maybe three or four things, what do you think they would be? Or maybe, the ones maybe you're most passionate about because you sound like you've got about a hundred. So what are, you, <laughs> what, are your, what are your top four, I guess, or five? I saw that and it made me laugh because I thought I instantly sort of had an answer and I thought, but it's not actually true. So I was like, oh, yeah, I love walking. And then I thought that made me laugh because in my head I walk a lot. But the reality is in the summer I've done like three walks. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah I'm a walker you're a mental walker yeah I'm a mental walker <laughs> think about walking a lot I definitely think about walking a lot a writer and actually kind of creator because I've been getting more into sort of painting again and drawing I really like that that side and I've not done that for a very long time but yeah corporate probably trying to escape corporate but I can't quite let go I quite like it so probably corporate addict actually because I can't quite let go I like my contracts I do like to work with them now <laughs> still in a contract so I pretend I don't but I'm confessing that I probably do. Now we often talk around in our last episode we talked we're speaking around some really well-known artists and they sort of had this ecosystem of ideas and influences there it sounds like you've got the same. How did they say, how does the, um, say the painting and the drawing and the writing influence your corporate addiction? Well, like, do they, do they play it, off each other? Do they feed yeah. into each other, do you think? Yeah. Like some sort of like Leonardo da Vinci when he brought in his, all of his stuff. Yeah. No, I'm not like that. <laughs> 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 but um, that's something to work towards. I'm working towards mm. being more Le- Leonardo, maybe. Well, I think that's one thing that I discovered when I was made redundant and away from corporate life after 25 years of it, 
the first thing I realized was how corporatized I'd been and how restricted I'd been and not done that Simon so I hadn't brought in influences and probably got stepped outside enough to get more creative I thought I was very creative I thought I was a bit different and came up with you know interesting concepts but actually thinking about it I could have done so much more so I'm really interested in that now I follow lots of different people now in terms of like the ways of thinking like James Victory who does all the creative warrior stuff I love his thinking and how he sort of blends art and you know mental health and all that side so yeah I think actually I could have pushed myself a lot more in that space the book by Will Gomez really, I loved that book. What was it called? Think Like an Artist. I really loved that book about actually when you start a project, you can think of it like a blank canvas that you're about to start kind of putting a, a one stroke of paint on it, but it doesn't have to be the perfect stroke to start and build on it and build on it. And I really like that idea for a project. Now, if you brought that into the corporate workplace and said, let's start this. Our first stroke might not be perfect, but let's get going and let's build on it and build on it and build on it. And what can we create together? I really like that sort of concept. So actually, I think that's one thing I've learned. You know, we should think a little bit outside the box and bring them two two in together. I like that. And I like it. Funny enough, it uh, it just reminded me of that thing about, yeah, making marks. I did a art thing while we were away with the kids and it was just at the Hepworth gallery and and so we all just they put a big paper on the floor and they just said right just look at something over there and just make a mark and just that liberation just going woof with a big charcoal pencil just went wow this is amazing and we didn't worry about it we just got started now there's something no doubt to come back to in that but yeah I like that comparison to making marks to getting stuff going just without now there's a there's a I guess a little bit of science I think behind it as well like in for years I taught people to paint and I did a lot of corporate things where I get people to paint and we'd always get them to design their piece from scratch and they would just look at this picture for 10 minutes and like I said look no matter how much you stare at it it won't draw itself and then in the end I'd just get it and make a squiggle on the paper and they'd be what have you done you've ruined it even though it's a blank page but the moment you make that mark you've got a reference point does that make sense you've got some yeah. mental framework to move around so you're not just staring at a blank piece of canvas or a blank idea or a blank wall without post-it notes but the moment there's something there bang things start to tick off in your head I'm not sure if I said the right things start to happen in your head and yeah. we go, oh, and also we build on each other's things. So, yeah, there's something in that make a mark. I think we could maybe even uh, hashtag that or something, John, <laughs> don't you think? So. I think it's a good idea, yeah, definitely. <laughs> I'm yeah. Put, up some, put up some of our own artwork in the show notes. Um, yeah, I'm well, why not? But I'm... how many people get fear of that, though? You know, like in your classes, Simon, that you were running, you know, how many people say, oh, I can't do it, I can't draw, I can't, and they just won't even start. And that's the sort of thing that I saw, you know, how many people have got fear and you're starting a project or you're starting something at work and they've got fear of like, oh, I, this is not me, I can't do it. But in that environment, it's very different. So, yeah, if it, I think, you know, trying to get people to just, just, go and don't care and then just build on it and we'll work on this together is quite empowering for people when they can just step off that that's not me I'll make a fool of myself or whatever it is so yeah it's powerful 
And in answer to your question, 100% when you yeah. say how many people, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. 100%, 100%. 100% so. <laughs> so we've talked about all this stuff, this consultancy, podcast, writing, creating a community, you know, did the blog, did the book. I think at one point you were selling beach towels. There was all this, so many different things to take show. So we were saying, um, have you found a secret wormhole in space that allows you to work more than 24 hours a day? Because if you have, I think actually that would be really, really cool to know. <laughs> yes, yes, secret. Excellent, excellent. We'll post details. <laughs> Just give us the coordinates. Give us the give us the what three words for that wormhole, and we'll uh, we'll put it in the show notes. As well. Yeah, yeah. yeah that, that that the the geocache location will be in uh, the show notes. Go there with Fantastic. your Pokemon, and you'll be ready to rumble. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've never been a busy person. I don't think I've been a busy person. I maybe was in early careers, but late careers, as we call it, as I call it. I just wasn't interested in that busyness. You know, when people have to be busy all the time, I just thought, oh, get over yourself. You know, every meeting, people are rushing off to take their calls in the breaks. I'd think, oh, really? Are you really that important? And I'd have big, I had big roles in corporate. I remember just sitting there thinking, maybe one day I'll get a job that is that busy. You know, that I care what's on my phone. Um, this is maybe why I got made redundant. I don't know. <laughs> um, yeah, you, d- you didn't walk around with a clipboard under your hand. Oh, I couldn't oh, be bothered with being Rushing up and down going. the corridor. No, I'm never, I just, you know, people, oh, how are you doing? Oh, I'm so busy. Well, life is busy, isn't it? We've all got the same amount of time. So you can't be more busy than another person. You're just filling it with different stuff and you're choosing to do it. So I never get busy. I just kind of, I do cause chaos for myself. That's different. So I do have an idea and I just start it. I don't have any fear about starting things, which I should. (laughs) I get quite envious of people who have fear of starting stuff because I just start stuff. And then I just think, well, I'll work it out as I go along. And then sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. So yeah, I think I have started a lot of different businesses, a lot of projects, a lot of ideas. Some stick, some don't. The beach towel thing was very random. It was like my sort of lose your job, do the opposite of what you've just been doing. So I got a market stall, got all these beach towels. Just, yeah, let's do it. I don't know why. I have no idea why. <laughs> I loved it, though. And I had a massive plan. Me and my there was a person who ran it with me, and we had a plan to go to festivals and get a little van and sell these beach throws in festivals and yeah we were ready for it but then obviously lockdown kind of stalled our amazing idea there but anyway (laughs) (laughs) I just think you can create time for what you really want Mm. and you therefore it is about sort of you know prioritizing what your focus is and knowing that you can't do it all I think that's the big Mm. thing uh, much to my I mean my husband isn't here at the moment he's military so he's abroad at the moment but when he is here he much to his disgust I never prioritize things like dishes and cooking <laughs> and cleaning <laughs> things like that are not my interest and he's always like what are you doing I'm like I'm doing ideas so, well, so uh, yeah and you go uh, why yeah why should you be interested he could be interested <laughs> oh he is but he can't, oh, he is he can't somehow, I'm not as interested <laughs> He says he has to come home. He has to come home from his deployment to tidy up, do the ironing, do the washing, then he has to go back to work. I say, yes, you do. (laughs) 
Okay, look, we're always really curious around what someone's journey has been because we interview a lot of really curious and interesting people. So what maybe happened early on to help you find yourself where you are now? Were there any particular moments that stood out or any influences that I guess turned you into, I'm going to call the modern day polymath that you are now and trying and all these different things going on? Yeah, anything that you can remember or stands out that sort of maybe kicked you off on this journey? I don't know how it happened or where it happened because at that point in time, a long time ago, I'm showing my age, but there was no internet and I think we had a black and white telly, I think, but (laughs) I discovered Saatchi and Saatchi. I think it was a business studies class maybe. We had to go and do research and I loved business studies, GCSEs, I loved it, but I always had my work done in about an hour. I found it really easy. So then I had like a lot of time to kind of fill. And I remember just either being very disruptive or actually doing something good, like reading a book or going to the library or something. And I discovered this, these people in London called Saatchi and Saatchi, and they were growing this cool sort of agency. And it was the place to be and thinking, right, that's what I want to do. So I remember writing to the Advertising Association and getting all of these leaflets that they used to send through you know, how to have a career in advertising. I've still got them. I don't know if maybe at Antiques Roadshow <laughs> might want to value them <laughs> at some point. <laughs> but I was obsessed. I just thought, right, that's it. I'm going to be in advertising. But then, you know, I, I, was, I lived on a farm in Cumbria and the school I went to was quite rural and no one had a clue what, you know, what are you talking about? <laughs> I didn't even know what I was talking about. You know, it's just this concept that goes on in London. So I think that was the first time that I thought, I've got to get out of here. I've got to get out of this county and I need to go and see the bright lights and I need to go and do something different. I never got into such and such. I didn't get into any advertising agency. I applied for all their graduate programs, but you had to have art. You had to have art as a foundation. And Cumbria has actually got an amazing art school, art college. And so at that point in time, I had to go there because they wouldn't give you a grant to leave the county. So I didn't want to stay, so I didn't do that. And I escaped to Luton, of all places, where everybody escapes. Uh, Who knows? Streets paved with gold. (laughs) Yeah, I think so. That's what I was told, anyway. (laughs) All I knew is it was close enough to London, but without the cost. That was the main sort of decision maker. And... I went to Luton University to do Japanese and business studies. And I thought, well, Japanese will give me this edge. Toyota has just landed in the UK. They've got all these cool sort of ways of working. I'd found that on the Saatchi and Saatchi. They'd got their, you know, they'd be doing all the advertising for them. So it was all connecting up for me. It was all looking good. So, yeah, that's sort of, I think, the biggest Mm. defining moment, I think, was Saatchi and Saatchi. And then did... um... As you then made your way into that corporate life, and maybe before as well, saying some experiences shape people, were there any individuals, was there any particular or group of individuals that were then quite influential on you? And as you look back, you kind of go, oh, it's really interesting that you re-engage with that person or that group of people because you realise now they've, they've helped shape who you are, get you to where you are now. Yeah, it's terrible to say, but I can't remember any teachers. I can't even remember anyone's name. So that's kind of blanked <laughs> out. That's not good, I guess. But 
And Luton University, I can't remember much either. That's probably a different <laughs> reason, but anyway. Um, you had a, but, you, as um, Keir Starmer would say, you had a good time. <laughs> well, again, I have no idea, to be honest, but, you know, it was all fine. But what did happen was a couple of things. Well, one thing I loved at the time, people like Anita Rodick and Richard Branson and those kind of people and Sir John Harvey Jones were actually getting TV shows and all that sort of stuff. So they were becoming quite commercialized. So actually this concept of an entrepreneur was this thing that you got interested. So Richard Branson was always, and Virgin was always on my radar, like, oh my God, I need to work for them. So that started that. But Luton was also the home of Whitbread. So it was Whitbread Beer Company at the time. And mm. I managed to get an intern ship there so I went and worked for Whitbread and it was when they were developing Stella Artois and I was in the sales team and you had to go and try and get Stella into these pubs and it was very male dominated and a woman coming into the a girl at the time coming into the pub trying to get this loopy juice as they'd call it onto their bar was pretty <laughs> tough but some of the guys and it was men uh, around me at the time were amazing mentors and I remember them so there was you know, one of my bosses was Sean McManus and he was just this kind of cool HR director and he was really good at just telling it straight. Northern guy who told it straight and just, elevate. this is what you do to do X, Y, Z, get out there. And then there was a guy called Nick Armitage and yeah, there's all sorts of people around you at that point in time. So it was more that in the business world that really helped me. And yeah, I used to smash my targets, get the loopy juice onto the bar and Eventually, Whitbread developed Stella Artois into this premium product, which actually wasn't crazy to get on the bar anymore. It was this beautiful experience that everybody needed. But at the time that I was sold it in, it was a bit different. So, yeah, I think sort of moments like that define you, I think. And that's more in my memory, really, than anything else. No, I remember I remember Stella as sort of like the I'm going to go to the football, getting a bit of a get a bit of mischief and then have a few Stellas. It's sort of that sort of, <laughs> it seems to have landed quite well because it's uh, your early work has paid off quite well. And I would say <laughs> probably the Australian equivalent, even though it's uh, a little bit posher, is maybe VB, Victorian bitter. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Just but for a little bit of cultural context. Yeah. And it's interesting, though, that, that you're right. I, when I was in Australia backpacking, I remember everyone used to have the, VB was very cool to have on your cool, um, you know, put your can in the cooler when you're drinking it, and VB was the brand yeah. to have. But, yeah. Well, what you were called, here a long time ago. Yeah, exactly. yeah, that's true. <laughs> a, um, oh, the, the name's escaped me. What's the um, – yeah, Stubby Cooler. Yeah, yeah Stubby, that's, that's it. Stubby, stubby Cooler. cooler. Now, it's time for a thought experiment, and John and I honour the traditions of great philosophers gone past, where in our research we've discovered they would often run these little thought experiments to keep their mind curious, open up new ways of thought, expand their thinking, make sure they're not hemmed in by boundaries. So John and I honour that every week, and we run thought experiments with each other and also with our guests. So today, look, I've noticed from your redundancy when we've been reading about this, you talk about reimagination or reimagining, I should say, <laughs> reinvention, the need for reflection, rethinking. So our first thought experiments is going to connect all of this. Yeah, so um, what we thought, Eleanor, is that we're going to give you a famous singer or band and you have to give us 
their song, which began with re. <laughs> okay. So let's start with one that's easy first. Okay. So I'll give you some clues to give you a chance to sort of get some points on the board. It's yeah. all for points, this, by the way. So this was a big hit in the 80s. It was very naughty at the time. Banned on the radio. Everyone Relax. wore the T-shirt. Frankie goes Yes. Very oh, good. good. How good's that? <laughs> oh, do I have to wait till the end or am I, do I, am no, I no. button? No, no, no. Sorry. Perfect. As you get it, come in with your, with your re-song. That was perfect. So that's two points. Well done. You've, uh, you've started very well. Okay, so this is a five-person boy band. Relight My Fire, take that. Oh, oh wow. <laughs> on there. John, that, you, did you send these clues out beforehand? Or? <laughs> I mean, she's on fire now, isn't she? She's on fire. She Forget about Relight My Fire. She's on fire. Right. Okay. This is just, this is in the is just my, yeah, I'm just loving this. Yeah. I mean, give me a pub yeah. quiz and I'm the happiest person <laughs> ever. So it seems. <laughs> yeah. Man, I think this is not going to take as long as we thought here, Simon. <laughs> I think we're gonna, so number three. It's four points. That's amazing. So this one, gorgeous voice, lady singer, stunning look, quite striking, dark beehive type hair. Collaborated Rehab. with... Yes! Mm. Get out. She's knocking this out of the park, as they say, somewhere. Well, you're straight to the top of the leaderboard for our, <laughs> uh, our guests we've had. So <laughs> I can't believe yeah. this. All right. This one. Uh, You're so much better than Michelle Obama. She was awful. Yeah. <laughs> awful at this. I'm just glad I don't have to sing. I mean, I'd give it. Well, it wouldn't, it wouldn't be good. There's another thought experiment. Okay, this one is. Hello, hello, hello. <laughs> Roxanne. Can I stop? Sorry, have I got that wrong? Police. <laughs> it Red is light. the police. <laughs> <laughs> no <that's... laughs> sorry i just laughed at simon because it that was actually meant to be hello 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 which might oh. be a uk thing which obviously yeah. <laughs> like a bit like benny hill hello 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 lovely lady is that a bit like that you're meant to be or <laughs> i forget the australian yeah. way we don't do accents hello 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 is your name javier <laughs> oh man uh, okay, uh, but there, there is a a song attached to it so this is the police but what's the re song i'll give you a, one more clue. yeah red light is it you no it was to... the name of the album red as shoot. well it's oh gata oh no you've got me Re oh oh no you got regatta. me i wasn't a police person oh okay regatta de blanc Oh, no. That was the name of the album. Oh, you got me. You got it was me. also a song as well. Well, if you give the Australian pronunciation, regatta de blank. So, oh. which is why I think, hello, hello, hello. Yeah. No, you won me. <laughs> All right. Okay, uh, next one. Right. Apologies for the uh, pronunciation. Yeah. <laughs> so this next one, it's a bit of Motown. Everybody says this now. It's quite a corporate thing. To everybody says this now in their emails uh, when they just want to contact you. They say, "Hey, I am, I am out to you," which just reach means I'm contacting. Reach out. Yes. Yes. I'll be there. The four tops. Yes. Four tops. <laughs> mm -hmm. Right out. now, this, out to you. this is our, our last one. That's very good. And this. Uh, oh no, we got two more. We got two more. Two more. Oh, okay. All right. Oh, yes. I'm sorry. All right. Okay. This is. It's a power song for women. Not glory, 
No, not Gloria. Soulful. Aretha. Respect. Yes, Franklin. by Aretha Franklin. Well yeah. done. Well done. R-E-S-P-C-T. You can burst into yeah. song if you want to. If you want to, you can go for it. <laughs> Anything goes here. Last one. So. so this is uh, the band. They were actually, they uh, moonlighted as rubbish collectors. They lived in Wimbledon. The Wombles? Yes. <laughs> but, but what was the song? Beginning with Wombles. Mm. What did they sing? What? I could do the theme tune to you the could, Wombles. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then they had the Wombles a, they had a hit. <laughs> Re. That's it. Wow. Re. Remember. Recycle. Re. Remember the remember I'm a womble. Yay! We'll pay it. that. Remember, we'll pay that. Yeah. Remember you're a womble, but we'll pay that. We'll pay that. Now just as a, a cultural reference, if you're listening thinking what the hell is a womble, <laughs> I um <laughs> I'm gonna put a I'm gonna put a link yeah. in the show notes to that <laughs> show, the wombles, because maybe if you're listening in America, you've just got no idea what we're talking about. It would be good. The Wombles are always good, though, to watch. They got cool hats, and they were the first recyclers. I think they were the first people who brought sustainability to our attention. Eleanor, just coming in now to a bit more about the journey from redundancy to where you are now with your own business, the book, etc. And we obviously can see that there's some fascinating insights into the themes of this podcast, which are curiosity, creativity, imagination. So I was going to say, maybe start curiosity. You talk about it a lot, and I've heard you talk about curiosity, but maybe maybe talk to that for a moment. So I think that's probably the biggest thing that I realised you just don't do in corporate. You don't get curious because you stay safe and you just want to get the work done in the safest way. And deliver it and then go home (laughs) and that's obviously a very big generalization but curiosity and as I said before I'm probably quite a creative person but still quite there was a lot of boundaries in corporate so curiosity came to me when I was on garden leave which is you know a couple of months when the job finished but I was still getting paid by the organizations you can't really do a lot I went on a boot camp with the do lectures and they've got this kind of farm in in wales and they have these boot camps and you go along and listen to speakers and it's all a bit random something i'd never done before very out of comfort zone i didn't even barely go to sort of leadership events unless i was organizing them you know never mind things like that so it's very much out of comfort zone and i went along and when you go into their farmyard on the side of a farm wall on the barn it says stay curious and that was sort of the theme so David Hyatt who is the guy that runs it he talked about right for the next three days open your mind up you know nothing you're gonna find out everything and stay curious ask questions just go into a space that feels uncomfortable and that was his sort of message and that's the bit that stayed with me and I just keep that now every day so every day now Like, well, what does this mean? So when things go wrong, I try and get it back into that space and go, okay, it hasn't gone to plan 
all right, can I learn something from it? Can I get something from this? Or can I, should I just shelve it? I don't believe that everything has a lesson, to be honest. I don't think it does. But you can kind of go, right, is there anything I can take from this? A little bit like a womble. <laughs> like <laughs> the wombles can go, right, nice okay, recall. This bag. There you go. So, you know, the wombles can go, right, I've got all this stuff that I've collected. Is there anything here that I can keep, do something with? The rest I'm going to just take to the recycling. So, yeah, I think that's sort of the first part of me exploring and thinking, well, I don't want to go back to corporate as I knew it, probably. But what else can I do? And I didn't know. So, yeah, just opening up and going, all right, I'm just going to say, well, what can I take with me? What can I sort out? What bits are useful to me right now? So that's probably what curiosity means to me. And is it just as you were saying that, again, you you mentioned it there about in corporate you play safe and you talk about obviously a lot about you have to move out of comfort zones it's that combination of curiosity and courage for it to work you've got to there's something there for you to do you make the mark draw the first line or whatever we've as we touched on before but how is that for you courage is an interesting word isn't it i think i know courage is talked about a lot i don't resonate with courage to be honest but that's maybe i associate courage with you know we're a military family (laughs) Like that's, you know, it's a very different kind of concept and world and things you're hearing. So when people talk about courage, I think it doesn't really, I get that for some people it does. I'm not saying that I'm judging people for that. It's just for me personally. I don't believe that me putting my hand up in a meeting and saying, oh, what about this is courageous. It's really not like there's no lives are going to be lost. There's, you know, just say, to be honest, I have probably been that person that says stuff the whole way through my corporate life. So that's courage is a sort of thing that I thought when I started hearing it in entrepreneur world I was like what is this word why do people keep saying this they're not being courageous I mean if anything they're just like just getting on with what they want to do they're being maybe a little bit indulgent they're maybe being a bit you know I want this I'm gonna go and get it which is cool as well but we've sort of wrapped it up as like be courageous and start your own business like no just start your own business (laughs) like just get on with it that's what you want to do get on with it I don't see people like Richard Branson sat there going I really need to be courageous today and start my magazine and my airline who's just gone so I I don't resonate with that word personally but did, I do did get you it, ever, I understand it I was just wondering as you said that I wondered did you ever have a job at Nike and the first t-shirt said just get on with it rather than just do it <laughs> get on with it <laughs> get on Tick. again I get mean I'm a northern I'm an English northerner <laughs> All of this concept stuff is, you know, we got. A, it takes a while for us to go. Why don't you just get on? Like my mum and dad. This is now where I live near where my mum and dad are, and they just look at me like, "All right, well, we'll just get on. If you want to do that, just get on." I don't really understand the fuss. Just get on with it. Like, <laughs> so yeah, there's. Whilst I understand, obviously, I write about these stuff now and about courageous and bravery and mental health and all of that. I I'm interested in it. I also have the layer of northernness, which is. Come on, people, if you want it, <laughs> you know what you need to do. <laughs> but that, that's a great way to even when you think around courage, it's almost redefine, like, just do it. Yeah. There's no, so it's even that um, you don't need courage, just just get up and do it. Like, you know, you want that, go out and do it. Like, yeah. Yeah. It won't, come, a- to you by, it won't come to you by itself. Like, just go. Simple, yeah, what's the advice? worst that can happen? What's the worst that can happen is, you know, all right, you could look really stupid and you could fail and all of that stuff, but then so what? You could do that with everything. 
you can do that in any circumstance. So yeah, courage is an interesting one that I have a funny relationship with. Obviously, yeah, as I say, I see it a lot and I've probably written it in the book, <laughs> probably <laughs> about being courageous because I see people being safe um, and keeping in their comfort mm. zone because they think, well, I'm just going to stay comfortable and that's right for them. But it's not right. Comfortable doesn't mean that it's right. So I guess that step from being uncomfortable, you know, stepping out into being uncomfortable, yes, it takes courage, maybe, or it just takes a shove. Yeah, <laughs> I like that. It's a little bit of a shove. Now, I'm thinking about when we're speaking around being curious as well. Do you think you need, because I'm imagining if you're, because in, you know, in a large corporate, go, 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 I oh, you hit your target. Well, here's more target for you this year. Go, go, go is a reward for working your ass off last year. So it always gets harder. Like there's never, nothing ever gets easier, does it, per se. So if you think I don't have time to be curious, do you need to make time to be curious or just do you think it's actually in your everyday, what you do, you can be curious at any time? Yeah, I really believe now you can be curious and reframe what's happening to you at any point in time especially in corporate and the one way that I describe this to people so when people get on a call and they sort of say it was all very well all this stuff but I'm so busy I can't do it but challenge yourself there because what happens is somebody else comes in to do your job and they suddenly can cut it and shape it differently and they're having a different time of what you experienced it so actually I see this a lot I'm now a consultant and maybe come in and do jobs that maybe need reshaping or there's somebody left and I'm filling it and I'll do it in a different way and my whole thing is simplify so there's a lot of challenge I think there's a lot of responsibility you can own a lot more than what you think and so I think you can really challenge yourself and say I don't have to do it this way there is a different way because somebody could come in and do this and do it like you know as I said you know I was head of comms on all lots of different big organizations and I never remember rushing out of a meeting to take an important call or looking straight. I just didn't do it. In fact, at Virgin, they used to yell at me because I never picked the phone up. Because <laughs> 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 the mobile phones, they were like these Nokia bricks, and I hated it. And I just, just used to sit and ring. I only picked it up for my boss and the crisis manager. So, you know, you I don't know. You could do things, you, you know, you could probably do things more your way if you build on your confidence and start getting confident about where am I adding value? What do they really want me to do? And what is just noise? No, I don't, you don't need to sit with a presentation for seven hours, beautifying it and this and that and all that. You don't have to do that. Just simplify. What's the easiest way I can do this? So yeah, I would challenge that everybody in corporate can be curious and actually you'll actually find more time for stuff that you really want to do and you'll start enjoying things more just declutter and challenge yourself on your perfectionism because that's a big bugbear you know perfection is in the eye of the beholder and people who say I'm so busy because I'm a perfectionist yes it's your perfection because my perfection is different so what you're producing I'm not valuing so you're wasting your time so challenge 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 yourself all the time and you might see you've got actually more time than you think now, you talk also a lot about sort of reimagining when you had to reimagine what redundancy looks like. And look, I've never probably been made redundant. No, I think actually I stood, where I used to work with you, John, I was sort of made redundant <laughs> slash sacked. <laughs> so I do, have a bit, <laughs> I do have a little bit of space in uh, a, a, little bit of, <laughs> a little bit of uh, 
an understanding of this space. So, <laughs> but my question was, though, when you had to reimagine what that redundancy looked like, how did that re imagination and creativity come together and what did that look like and how can we use that same process maybe what are the lessons we could get from that Mm. so the thing I think with redundancy when you lose your job it's like a jolt because you've been doing this thing you're in routine you kind of you may be in a bit of autopilot of what you're doing getting up doing whatever you're doing either work from home or commuting it's just a routine and you're fitting your life around it and it's all kind of you know, it's like a jigsaw puzzle, it all works. And then you're, then that thing that's keeping it all together is taken away. Oh, we don't need you anymore. Done. And suddenly you've gone from, I'm so busy. I'm so busy. My email box. Oh my God. Oh my God. This is my life. I can't go out to drinks. I can't do this. I can't do that. The next very next day you have no purpose. Nobody cares. And suddenly you've got this sort of space that you're suddenly like, what was I doing? Because if suddenly, if yesterday it was really important and today they don't care, what was I doing? Because that's the biggest shock that people have. Again, corporate life, I'm probably talking about more, but it might resonate with other jobs as well. But a lot of people will say to me, I can't believe they don't even want a handover or they don't want any of my insights or all of this work that I've been doing. They just don't want anything. They just want me to go. They, that's it. Gone. I can't believe that. And it's a real sort of moment that you realize, oh my God, what was I doing? So I think that kind of space of reimagination is now created for you to then, if you can hold it, grab it. And this is, I guess, where my book tried to write into it. If you can grab that moment to go, what am I doing? And how can I have more control over who I am, how I do it, and feel more like I understand my value? You'll never be in that position again, even if you get made redundant again, because you'll understand yourself more. So I think that that's the reimagination piece. And it starts with getting to know yourself, which, again, Mm. I didn't realize how much I didn't know myself until I had that space at all. Just didn't have any understanding, which is a kind of weird thing as well. So I think that's kind of what happens. I think there was one time you were saying, you know, that idea where you go, look, maybe I'm not a corporate person where you've constrained yourself and you start to throw off these shackles and it just seems to be the the fundamental thing who am i and sitting with that question really how was that how how deep and dark down the well do you get with that kind of question well that that's your imagination that's exactly it isn't it where can your imagination go with this and where are you, what are you going to do next what's your next move what's your appetite are you going to make it a good thing are you going to go i'm going to take this because obviously there's a lot of feelings with losing your job. So you can get angry about it. You can be frustrated. You can be scared. All of that. If you can shift that into a space of energy that goes, okay, I can upgrade this some way. Some way I can make this good. Then you you can kind of work from that energy level. But you're right. The identity thing is the biggest wrestle, I think, at that point. And you're reimagining yourself as a different person is very hard. Like the question at the very beginning of the podcast like, what do you do? It's so much easier to go, oh, I'm the head of communications of Virgin Atlantic. There, done. That was like a second, done. Everyone gets it. All right, cool. But like, if you've not got a job or you're trying to do something that you don't really know what you're doing, how do you start answering that? And that's something that people really wrestle with. Like, I don't know who I am now without this title to sort of latch onto. So I'm going to have to create it. So yeah, I think reimagination can help you 
to see yourself in the future and start hooking yourself onto something to talk about and share with people. Yeah, you're going to need a massive business card, aren't you, that sort of goes about the length of a ruler <laughs> just to fit everything on. That's okay. <laughs> like one of those ones, like a measuring tape, where you just unroll it and you go, uh, how much do you want? And you go, oh, 30 metres, we're still going, all right. <laughs> people do ask me about that when you have portfolio career because quite a lot of people want, you know, when they leave redundancy, they want to start something, but maybe a side project like I did, but you do still want to, you need to earn money. So maybe you need to do it. So you have start to have a portfolio career and people say, well, how do you describe it? Well, you've just got to be more aware of your audience, who you're talking to, what you need from them and what they need from you. So you do actually have to start thinking a bit more, but it becomes very comfortable you know so in most podcasts I'm just an author that's it done I'm an author and I'm a founder of another door and I help people who want to create change done but in a different environment I maybe am more I'm a creator I help people to create new side businesses or side you know so I think it depends on what your moment you're in so it doesn't have to be overwhelming you just have to consider where you're at and be a bit more intentional with how you answer questions and what you use your space for. So, yeah, I think the sort of laziness of just answering, oh, I'm this and it's a job title, you just have to work a bit yeah. harder in that space. So I, I think what I'm sort of hearing, it's it's sort of like you need to honour the space you're in, if that makes sense. Yes. That- and look, it's really, you know, I don't want to say, oh, you've been redundant, what a gift. No, because you think, ah, oh, bloody hell, you, you know. Yeah, <laughs> that, sort of. Whatever that, yeah, what, <laughs> what, what, whatever space you're in, you want to honour that and think, always that I guess it's really important to step back a little bit before you that impulse that we generally make the easy decision first if that makes sense like our brain's hardwired to go to the easy spot first but if we step back and honor that space and get a little bit more curious and as we've spoken about before John ask let the questions do the heavy lifting that creativity then Mm. comes Eleanor, as we're a not-so-serious business podcast, we're now obviously keen to try and get some advice or help for people who might be sort of thinking about how they can bring curiosity and imagination and creativity into their lives or their work. And maybe thinking about your experience through the redundancy journey that we've touched on already. You know, if people are facing massive change or redundancy or simply, you know, in the life they're in, what advice might you give individuals who want to bring this all alive in the way you did? So one thing I would say to people, which might sound a bit odd, but it really helped me. Again, it's, it's probably down to your character and personality and what works for you. But it was a brilliant moment where I was having a really bad day and things weren't going well. You know, you start running out of money, you start feeling desperate, you start feeling panicked, all of that stuff. You start feeling like all these applications of jobs and you're getting rejection after rejection and you just had enough. And I sat there and um, my daughter was having a strop over something, probably Lego related, something was going wrong. She was having a massive sulk (laughs) and looked over and I thought, oh my goodness, I'll tell you what's wrong with me. I'm having a massive sulk. I'm doing the same thing. Like the Lego was all coming up and I was like, this is what's going... I'm trying to build this amazing like Lego thing of my life. I'm going to apply for this job and it just keeps falling down or there's a piece missing and I'm sulking. This is what's happening to Eleanor. There's nothing worse than that. You know, I didn't feel 
depressed or anxious or I thought maybe I could you know when you start feeling low you do start thinking oh my goodness is there something should I go to the doctors I'm not feeling great here but I just had this moment of like Eleanor you are sulking that is what you are doing and I just started laughing going oh my god I'm having the biggest sulk ever I'm having the biggest meltdown because my lego has collapsed ever and that actually really helped me I just got up and thought, oh, get over it. Like, come on, start again. <laughs> Who cares if they reject you? I don't want them. Get lost. Right, let's go again. Let's go again. And I just started having this very different kind of feeling about it. And I just, every night, we love Lego in this house. So now every time I look at Lego, I just think, right, come on, just rebuild it. And when my daughter builds these amazing things and it all collapses, so it's all right. It's all part of it. Come on, let's build it again and we can build it better. Come on, every time. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not positive pants and think that everything's rosy. <laughs> but every now and again, you can just have a little laugh at yourself. Like, what am I doing? I'm sitting on the sofa, eating hobnobs, watching some, I don't know, loose swimming, which is this, I don't know if it's in Australia, <laughs> but it's like this women chatting on daytime television. What am I doing? Stop it. Do something useful. <laughs> Get on with it and go and find yourself something that you really want to enjoy. So that would be my first advice. Just kind of check in a little bit and just can you have a little laugh at yourself and go, oh my God, what am I actually doing? Life's it, uh, fine. Yeah. I'll find a way. It sounds like, and just that, so that advice of look, just don't over catastrophize some of these things. Just get, well, I suppose it's perspective as well, isn't it? It's just scaling yeah. back or coming back from it and going, hold on, let's get some perspective here. I love the Lego analogy. I love that. The idea yeah, of just think... that idea that you can build what you want and it may come apart and that's okay because we've had this exactly the same with our kids. They go, no, and you go, well, just put it back together again. It's great. It's fine. Yeah, I yeah. love that. And it's that energy, I think. People will challenge and say, well, you know, when you've got bills coming out of your ears and you don't know how you're going to pay it and it's sure. all feeling awful, you've got a choice of how to deal with it. And actually, if you can get yourself into that karma space, like the Lego, a karma space of, okay, deep breath, you've got more chance of rebuilding stronger. If you're constantly just, if you're allowing yourself to be in panic and putting pressure on yourself to find an answer, find an answer, this is awful, this is awful, then you're, work, you're kind of almost pushing against a wall Whereas if you just ease up on yourself a little bit, allow yourself to breathe, you actually get answers quicker and you can start asking people for help. You'll feel like you can articulate what you need help for better. So it's definitely worth doing that, just that little moment of, even if it's a walk or something that just disrupts that kind of how you're feeling, just disrupt it a little bit and then just come back and go, all right, let's rebuild and let's rebuild better. Just yeah, give it a go. I'm not saying it'll work for everyone because everyone's in a very different situation, but it's definitely worth having that moment of just disrupt that awful feeling of like, this is a nightmare. Now, look, you also work with uh, teams in organisations as well. I know she's done a lot of work across that and also spanning, I imagine you've had a lot of time reflecting on your own corporate career as well. What advice would you give to, say, teams and organisations who are looking to bring more of that space of imagination, creativity, being highly curious? What, is there anything you think is specific for groups of people? Such a good question. And one of the things that I'm really trying to work with people on, it's very hard to get it on the uh, ROI business case, <laughs> but 
the biggest thing in change is to put that space of nothing in it. So I work on a lot of change programs and I do the comms for it and everything has to be full and busy. So what tends to happen in an organization is a group of people like maybe the senior leadership team have gone off and been maybe thinking about this new world, this vision, what do we have to do? They could have been spending weeks, months, even a year on it. Then they bring someone like me in and go, right, we need to announce our big vision, our new way, our new direction, get this amazing, beautifully polished thing in place, have all the answers. And one of the things in a comms plan is having all the answers. What if someone this, what's this, what's that? Actually, the more I've been doing research and thinking about it, the less answers you have, the more effective it will be because allow other people to ask questions. You do not have to have all the answers as a leader. And in fact, it feels quite kind of done to if you stand up in a briefing and go, here's the vision. This is why we're doing it. Ask me anything. We've thought of it all. Because suddenly you're like, how do you know this? You you know, you don't. So creating space of nothing in change programs is huge. And I've been really trying to work with people on this. You can imagine it's like, no, we can't just allow people to do nothing. Or people will say, yes, yes, we do that already. We do listening sessions. No, that's a thing. That's a thing. Like trying to get corporate people to do nothing is impossible. But it's really powerful just to say, right, this is the vision. This is where we're heading. Go away and just think about what it means to you. Done. That's it. Just go, like, we're not going to actually do any comms. We're not going to talk about it for a week or whatever. And then we're going to start saying, right, what do you think it means to you? What sort of things come to mind? What's your feeling on it? Are you connecting with it? What's your concerns? And start to have a dialogue. So leaders, I think, have always felt like they have to have all the answers. But I really believe that teams should actually have more debate and discussion in that moment. And you get a better result quicker. So, yeah, that's sort of where I'd like to shift my work, but I'm not going to pretend that that's an easy one because corporate needs an ROI and then you need stuff. You need tangible things to talk about. Oh, we've done 700 roadshows. We've done the briefings. We've done these listening sessions. Surely you all know by now what we're doing. And everyone's sitting there going, yeah, but I don't like it. I don't feel Uh great. Like, you know, that, you know, inside they're Mm -hmm. like, oh, something's just not right. So it's almost like a slow down to speed up. Is that sort of yes. thing? Like you uh, slow down, go a little bit wider, and by taking your foot off the pedal, like maybe cruising in second gear instead of fifth or sixth or seventh if you're a sports car, all of a sudden you'll have so much more fuel for the journey. What a metaphor. I'm trying to roll out fuel, journey, accelerator. <laughs> <laughs> Not very environmentally friendly, though, if I'm going to be honest with your metaphor. No, true, true. But imagine, but um, I guess that general thought, yeah, take a chill pill for a little bit and good things will come of that, which will get you where you want to be a little bit sooner. There's something about that as well, Eleanor, because we would see that in some of the work that we do. Give it. I love the idea of just giving people space and don't put anything in it because you need to trust people, don't you? You need to trust people as adults to make sense of things and to go over to you. You're a grown up. What do you make of it? What does it mean to you? How are you going to respond to it? Where do you want to take it? And it's, and I think, again, there's that fear of, no, we need to control this. But yeah, I think, again, I think that's great, putting nothing into a project. Last question on this maybe is, is coming back to something that really connects to your own experience. I mean, what would you say to someone who is teetering on the edge of wanting to do something radically different whether that is changing job or some other big life change 
again, maybe thinking about your your own kind of lessons learned along the way, what would you say to someone? So people will always sort of think, well, think about what interests you, think about your passion, think about all that side of it as a starter. I'm not so sure with that. It could be a place to start. If nothing comes to mind in that way, like if nothing's kind of firing you up, because that's certainly, I mean, I wasn't interested in getting made redundant. That wasn't my passion, but I've somehow made it of interest. I think it's more about ask yourself the question, how do I want to be? Might be an easier place to start. So rather than what do I want to do, which of course you need to answer that at some point. If that gets difficult, more how do I want to be? How do I want to live? And try and think of it in another door. We talk about the ideal tomorrow. And again, that comes back to the reimagination. If you can just write down without thinking, what would be perfect tomorrow? What would you be doing? What would you be saying? How would you be feeling? All of that's just kind of free flow it. Let's 10 minutes of scribbling that. Could be completely wild and crazy, but it could give you little clues. And then come back to how do I want to be? So do I want to be calmer? Do I want to be walking more? Do I want to be seeing my friends more? Do I Like, how do you want to live? I think is it maybe an easier way to start. And then you start building from there. Okay, what do I want to do? Does that give me the answer? Because sometimes people, I've worked with people who haven't done that bit first. And obviously values come into it as well. The same thing, how do I want to be the values question? But some people don't do that and they'll say, oh, I want to start a business because I want freedom. And that's a clash. Starting a business does not always give you freedom. Like I don't stop work. I've not stopped thinking about my business since I started it four years ago, ever. Mm. That there's no holidays, there's no pension. It's the opposite. So I think you've got to do a lot of work on yourself and be really clear with who you are how you work, operate the best at peak performance and how you want to be and how you want to be living and then find that ideal scenario. So, yeah, it's not always about passion and interest. Just as you're saying that, Eleanor, it's quite overwhelming. We've all done it at various points in life to sit with ourselves and go deep and just there's just so many questions to answer and it just feels so just like a tidal wave of questions that you're trying to wrestle with. Can you do it on your own? Do you think there's something then in this process whereby you have to have someone else to talk to or a community to engage with? How important is that, do you think, for someone who might be wrestling with all that stuff? I think you can do it on your own. It just might take longer and you'll probably make more Mm. mistakes. But as long as you're fine with that, like I didn't have a coach for a year and Mm. I signed up to all the wrong programs, really ridiculous courses, all sorts of stuff but I don't even know what I was doing like what was I doing I'm not sure but then I can go oh okay well I could have spent that money on a coach that could have got me to that point in an hour (laughs) or I could spend a year (laughs) doing the wrong courses trying to do it myself working it out but you still get to the space it doesn't really matter you've got to do what you think's right for you because there's no point in getting a coach or mentor anybody unless you're ready to work with that person and know what you want from them so I Mm. still think that no don't just sign up to any old coaching program or just grab on to the first person who gives you advice because that not might not be where you're at so I remember my first business coach was actually all about scale and he was amazing but I wasn't 
I didn't even have a business at that point. What was I signing up to work with a business coach who was really focused on scale and selling and getting out there? I was so overwhelmed. I was like, oh my God, I'm never doing this. It, you know, it was wrong, wrong moment in time. So I think just take a bit of time, yes, with yourself and just go, where am I at? What would be really useful right now? Try a few things. There's lots of stuff out there, podcast, free stuff, and then gently go for it. But own it the whole way through it. Don't believe that anyone else has got the answer. You've got the answer. Okay, it's time for another thought experiment, Eleanor. Now, you talk about cliches. We actually heard one earlier about where people say, oh, you've been made redundant. What a gift. And they say something, you know, some cliche that sounds a bit hackneyed, is meant to be useful or profound in some ways, but it's completely meaningless. I know they irritate us all. So what we thought is, for this thought experiment, we'd play on that theme. And so this is called twaddle or tweddle. <laughs> oh, God. So we're going to... Play, playground re- flashback. Oh, God. <laughs> 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 Go over there, twaddle. Twaddle, twaddle. come this way. Yeah. Um, so twaddle or twaddle. So are these <laughs> phrases we're about to say... Are they twaddle <laughs> or are they something actually Eleanor Tweddle would go, do you know what? There's something in that. And here's the learning. <laughs> so let's, uh, I'll start again. Let's go. So laughter is the best medicine. Is that twaddle or tweddle? I'm going to say it's tweddle because I do love laughter. But like medicine, probably. There's a time and a place, maybe. <laughs> um, Very good point. I mean, yeah, you know, not to laugh at people is perhaps what I'm saying, but laugh with people is definitely the medicine and can always get you out of a of a bit of a funky day. So, yeah, laughter is a good thing. It's a good thing. It's a title. Yeah. I grew up, I was asthmatic when I was younger, so if I'm having an asthma attack and someone says, laughter is the best medicine, <laughs> yes. I might go, twaddle. Exactly. <laughs> or, or I'm a diabetic and they go, oh, you are, you're, exactly. you're looking a bit peaky. Laugh. <laughs> I go, no, insulin. <laughs> Have exactly. you heard the one about? <laughs> it's, yes, you've got to be a little bit careful with laughter. It's not always appropriate. <laughs> I, did, I did once laugh at something that was very inappropriate and I just – couldn't my friend fell through a floor <laughs> in the house <laughs> and I still laugh now you still laughing now I yeah I mean she could have died but it's just funny she sort of was saying bye as well <laughs> bye and she just went the plank just gave anyway sorry distract <laughs> okay no I like the story laughter was good. not good yeah okay she did need insulin and she uh, did she needed okay. an ambulance not me laughing at her yeah <laughs> now I'm just going, just laugh, we'll be fine. All right, now our next one is never look a penguin in the eye unless you have a plan. Is that mm. twaddle or tweddle? Um, I would, you know what, let's go tweddle. You know what, if you're in a privileged position to look at a penguin in the eye, <laughs> I think you probably have got a good plan. You've already probably <laughs> in the middle of your plan, like... And the Falklands somewhere, you probably already know why you're there. Just keep going with your plan. Maybe the penguin isn't involved in the plan. But, yeah, look it in the eye. Say hello. I think penguins are good things. So I'm going to say twaddle. All right. I like it. Yeah. 
We'll give it one a tick. We've got two twiddles. <laughs> we don't know the origin of that one, but that's fantastic, Eleanor. Right. Um, here we go. Next one then. Twaddle or twiddle. Don't let the perfect become enemy of the good. Don't let the perfect become the enemy of the good. Well, I think we were talking about this before, about your perfectionism and perfection is in the eye of the beholder. So I guess it could be twaddle. It could also be twaddle because I think there's also something that we do have to be honest about, which is sometimes things aren't good enough, like things aren't. And we all say, oh, we're all good enough. but some things are, I think this is where X Factor and Pop Idol and stuff, you know, they gave the wrong message that everyone can sing. Sometimes you can't, you cannot sing, end of. So, you know, this perfection, <laughs> you can be a perfection you like, but so I think you've just got to have a bit of reality around what that perfection means and then what that reality is to you. So, yeah, it's a twiddle twaddle. There's something about context is everything, isn't there? Maybe that's why yeah. cliches are a bit lazy thinking, aren't they? Because you need yeah. to know there's always context. It could be, you, you're right, it could be twiddle or twaddle. <laughs> or twiddle twaddle or whatever that one was. <laughs> now, this is an Australian one, particular to Tasmania, where I grew up. Tasmania is a bit like Wales, mm. if that makes I've sense. I've been to Tasmania, sort of, yeah, yeah. Oh, there you go. Sort of how Australia might think around Tasmania. The cat that walks slowly is called Alan the Slow Cat. Twiddle or twaddle? It's completely twaddle. Um <laughs> I think I met that cat actually when I was backpacking around <laughs> Tasmania. And yeah, Alan, Alan the slow cat, yeah. Alan the slow cat. Everybody knows Alan and he's a good dude. And um, as long as you pay him for selfies, it's all good. So I think that one's a twiddle. Absolutely. I have no idea. I don't know. <laughs> what twiddles, that twiddles correct. Alan the slow cat will be delighted. <laughs> I think there's a UK equivalent, Simon, but we're, I think the cat's called Barry. Yeah, <laughs> or Kevin. Yeah. <laughs> right. He is what he is and he right. does what he does. <laughs> we got two more here, Eleanor. So here we go. So don't worry if the wheat is dry, the mill will find the flour. Oh, that feels, I'm going to say twaddle because at the moment that feels really, it's giving me anxiety because of all the wildfires and everything. Like dry wheat is not a good thing right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, but in the, from a farming aspect, as long as the farmer gets his ass out there, starts kind of getting it cut, all kind of brought into the mill, it will find it. I don't think the mill will find it on its own. I'm going to be honest. No, the farmer. You're, will, you're the giving farmer, this. You're giving this way more thought than I. Ever <laughs> yeah, the farmer <laughs> definitely needs to be involved. The mill cannot just find the flower itself. Yeah. <laughs> Twaddle. So, well, twaddle, you're correct there. That it is, that is twaddle. Complete twaddle. And our last one, life is more interesting if you push a bit harder. Twaddle or twaddle? Yeah, uh, twiddle twaddle because it depends what you're pushing. If you're, you know, just pushing that wall that we talked about and you're just on a wall pushing, no, it doesn't get interesting. You're just pushing the same wall. If you're pushing something more interesting... What could be interesting to push, like a, I don't know, a car out of a, out of the mud? That could be interesting. Could be doing something a bit more interesting. Yes, 
But no, I think this thing about push, push, you know, careful what you're pushing for and look at the wall you're pushing. So twaddle. Well, that's interesting because that's one of your direct quotes. <laughs> so that is twaddle. <laughs> so that's total twaddle. <laughs> I heard it on, uh, I think it was the Happy Startup podcast, and I thought, oh, that sounds good. (laughs) I say anything. I literally will go on a podcast and say anything. (laughs) Okay, this is a rapid fire round. Eleanor, what's one thing you couldn't do without in your life at this moment? My water bottle, drink water all the time, and I need to have my water bottle with me all the time. And it actually does actually bring so many health benefits. It's not just a gimmick. I'm being serious. I have not drunk enough water. So, yeah, got it here next to me, water bottle. And everyone reaches for their water. Yeah. I thought you meant a hot water bottle there for a minute. So I just thought, is it cold up there in Cumbria? Yes, into the winter. (laughs) Exactly. We're building the Occupational Philosopher's Manigesto. So we have our own manifesto, but for our guests, we're helping them, or they're helping us build a manigesto. So what one thing of all your learning do you think should be included on the manigesto? I think for people to understand that life is about being comfortable with being uncomfortable. Excellent. Okay, that will take pride of place on our many guesto tree that we have. Now, um, is there a favourite quote you would share that's been a guiding light for you? One of my absolute heroes, love her, love everything, and especially at the moment, Ruby Wax, absolutely love Ruby Wax. I hope I can say this quote, but it's on my wall here. You can say it. Her quote is, just stop giving a shit. So she was on a podcast (laughs) with someone and someone said to her, the one advice she was like oh just stop giving a shit and life just gets so much easier i was like oh my god so i wrote it on there and it does just just stop and uh, a final one here how would you like to be introduced let's imagine sometime in the future you've had this wonderful wonderful life how would you like to be introduced at your retirement home so the nurse walks you into the lounge where everyone's there sitting and she said here's eleanor she is the owner get out it's my place exactly yeah we come to take over come on people what are you doing (laughs) sitting about (laughs) so look what what are you you up to next i I can't even follow on from that that's so good it's silenced me so i love it yeah (laughs) what are you up to next What's the next project in your world, of which there are many, as we've seen from this show? Mm, Well, there's a few corporate comms contracts that I have to keep focused on during the day, which is all good. But the fun stuff is second book is getting kind of played with, all about getting over yourself. So I'm kind of enjoying that, writing a little bit about that. And then I've got this new concept. Um, As I said before, I live in the Lake District now all of these amazing walks and I want to start walking with people and talking to them and I create this kind of new podcast a good ramble which is all about talking and walking and working it all out because that's what people do they solve world problems on the way up to Scarfield Pike 
So I'm going to kind of develop that. So yes, I've got a few little projects, but of course, another door is still in the center of all of this, trying to help people who've lost their job and want to find something good out of it. And we want to keep growing that. So yeah, a few plates spinning in the next couple of months. Fabulous. And where can people find you, Eleanor? How can they connect with you and buy you virtual drinks, etc.? Yes, www.elenatweddle.com or anotherdoor.co.uk. And are you on the? Uh, are you active on the socials or? Yeah, I'm mostly on LinkedIn, so that's the focus. It can get a bit overwhelming when you start a business trying to be on all the social media. We are on another door is on all the social media but I'm mostly on LinkedIn so yeah if you follow me there I do share all sorts of stuff I'm not just serious on it some things are serious some things are fun I try and post something every day so yeah get involved love to hear from you it's been great fun you say about you put fun stuff on LinkedIn this has been great fun I hope you've enjoyed it we certainly have and thanks for all your wonderful insights and wisdom that's been gleaned along the way on quite a journey so uh, thank you and also for giving us uh, new T-shirts to run with <laughs> and also introducing the Twiddle Twaddle to our game mm-hmm. of Twiddle or Twaddle. And also a whole, I, host of, uh, a whole host of hashtags. <laughs> and I think you've got the, in our first thought experiment, the best ever score we've ever had. So well done. Oh, I'm going to put that on my CV. Hey, Simon great guest Eleanor there fantastic show some lovely insights what a journey she's had and as ever we like to think about some takeaways for ourselves but also for everybody else who might be listening in what are yours then two or three takeaways for you yeah I'll do them quickly just at the beginning she said the importance of making a mark like and that's just that get started whatever that is if you want to write write doesn't matter how crap it is but just start tapping away if you want to draw if you want to walk if you whatever that project is just start so you've got a a reference point and your brain will will thank you from there i like that idea of hold the moment so if you're in that sort of unusual space don't try and get out of it really quickly like hold that moment to be curious and use your imagination and the thing which i really liked as a personal thing was not what do i want to do is how do i want to be And I think it's a really nice thing for teams and organisations to ask as well, how do we want to be and rather than what do I want to do, how do we want to be? Because I think that's your overarching North Star. That's the user very cliched (laughs) conference uh, or corporate saying, what's your North Star? And I think that, yeah, how do I want to be? That's your North Star. What about you, John? I really like the advice around individuals, which was about don't over-catastrophize, that idea of get perspective. And she used that wonderful metaphor or analogy of Lego. And I thought that was great. There's that idea of it's just a bit of Lego. I'm building this thing or I'm rebuilding. And sometimes bits are going to fall off. The whole thing's going to crack apart. And then you go, oh. And so you go, no, just put it back together again. Just rebuild. Go again. Just start to put it back together again. So that was really important, I think. Tremendously tough at times when it's stressful and stuff, but I do think perspectives. Yeah, always absolutely. Any other? Um, for teams, I love the idea of a nothing space. Just the idea of look, let's just treat people as grown ups, give them space to absorb what's been said, whether that's the vision or the direction or some organisational change initiative or some team project. Just 
lay it out and then step back and just let people have some nothing time to think and reflect. And then the final one probably goes to one of Eleanor's favorite sayings, which is just, you know, stop giving so much of a shit. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Water off a duck's back, just whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Get on with it. Get on. Yeah. I like it. And that was, was that Ruby Wax? She said, I think it was Ruby yeah, okay. Wax. Needs to take, right. to, needs to take uh, credit for that one. All right. So, look, that's the end of our show. What do we want people to do? I'll kick off. I think first you could let your friends know about the show and you could also give us a review on Apple. Five stars is what we like. And thank you to those who have done so. What else, John? Well, obviously, check us out on the website, the occupationalphilosophers.com. There's a beating your ogre guide on there so you can download that for free Uh, come say hello drop us a note ask us a question if you've got any things that you want us to cover off in a future episode then let us know yeah get in touch now i really like those cliches we're talking about eleanor was uh, fantastic on them any more john i know yeah my dad used to say these kind of things all the time i mean some of the ones he said were don't tell the devil too much oh you're you're cutting your nose off to spite your face and probably my favourite, which was if you kick an hour before midnight, you'll regret it all the next day. <laughs> <laughs>